so many people who are trying to advocate for healing justice are really about getting ourselves back in our bodies, like rediscovering who we are, and so much being about finding more choice. That to me is so much what healing is, is it's, it's that choice got taken away and choice perpetually gets taken away by oppression. This is Healing Justice, a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and this week we are hosting a crew from Generative Somatics. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, you've heard from folks like Mystic Soul and Healing by Choice, and you know that a big commitment of mine, and by extension, a commitment of this project is that we are building and providing a platform and an infrastructure to share conversations and amplify voices that are serving, uplifting, encouraging, and teaching us toward a way of working and building social movements that are more integrated and grounded uh, and unified. And Generative Somatics does that in such a powerful way. I respect and adore them so much that I'm currently in one of their training programs. Shout out to our crew who's studying together in Detroit this year uh, for Transformation in Action courses one and two and also Somatics and Resilience. Um, Encouragement to y'all if you're listening to keep it up with our daily practices, uh, do the readings and dig into all the goodness that comes with being in one of those courses. Um, So the mission of Generative Somatics is to grow a transformative social and environmental justice movement, one that integrates personal and social transformation, creates compelling alternatives to the status quo, and embodies the creativity and life-affirming actions we need to forward systemic change. They envision a movement guided by cultivated wisdom, love, and rigor. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded between amazing teachers, Spenta Kandawala, Prentice Hemphill, who you can also hear in episode 13 of this podcast, Stacy K. Haynes, and Adrian Marie Brown, who you can also hear in episode 10 of this podcast. They have a conversation about trauma, oppression, healing, and organizing for structural change. You'll hear them dig into the connections between personal, collective, and structural transformation, and also between healing and building collective power. They also explore the term healing justice, which is really fun for us to listen in on as a podcast with that name and knowing that there is deep uh, history around that particular phrase, as well as many ways that that term is landing with folks uh, all over the world currently now. They'll dig into what does embodied healing have to do with creating liberation. So you'll hear their intro music kick off. They did an amazing job mastering their first podcast ever. So let's dive in and give it a listen. Here's the crew from Generative Somatics. Yeah. Am. Every man, woman, elder, and you Confused cause nobody wants to tell them the truth Living strictly for themselves but forgetting they roots Drowning all of their misery in 70 proof I am every thug with his future in place Hello all of our listeners, this is Adrian Marie Brown And I am very excited to be in a conversation today With 
people from generative somatics who are family, friends, and comrades of mine, and we are going to be sharing with you today um, a lot about the intersection of healing and power building. So I want to tell you first a little bit about who's on this podcast. So first we have Stacy Haynes um, and Spenta Kandawala, who are basically the folks who brought all the rest of us towards this river of somatic wisdom. And it's politicized somatics that we do, somatics that is really aware of social justice. Um, and uh, to bring both of you in, I'd first love to just have each of you share briefly um, a little bit about your name, your movement location, and what somatics is so that our listeners get that in their systems. I'm Stacey Haynes, and movement locations, I spent a good solid decade uh, in an organization called Generation 5 that was doing work to end the sexual abuse of children from really a transformative justice approach. And that's where we first started experimenting with somatics inside of uh, movement work. And um, then since really 2008, nine around there, um, we've been playing around with really bringing somatics full into different movement spaces. I also have a very strong connection inside of uh, land and environmental justice, big commitment there, and I'm very informed by third wave feminists and women of color feminists. So, very thankful for all the the, the growth and orientations. I would say, in the briefest way, somatics is a very holistic, like mind, body, spirit, or thinking, emotions, relationship, and action. A holistic way to go about transformation, so mm. that all those yearnings we have for transformation and justice actually get built into our muscles and we can take different actions than the way that trauma and oppression have impacted us. And that we can do that on our own, we can do it collectively, and uh, inside of that both heal and power build. So my name is Benta Kandavala and I am, um, my movement locations, um, I've spent a very long time doing facilitation and training um, and capacity building with many different movement organizations, um, both through generative somatics and through work prior to that. Um, I'm an acupuncturist, so <laughs> I think I'm a politicized healer now, which is like so mm. strange. I've been doing it for a long time and I um, don't always think about identifying that way. And then I'm also um, a member uh, of AROC, the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, and so organize with those fine folks. I think that um, trauma and oppression work to disintegrate us or disappear things or break us and um, or compartmentalize us both individually and collectively. And I think somatics is uh, one healing and transformative methodology that really attempts to make us whole again individually mm -hmm. and collectively and start to decompartmentalize us and integrate us and have us be able to like when we say bring all of ourselves actually know how to do that and why we want to do that. We are also joined by Prentice Hemphill who I believe is out in Hawaii right now. Prentice, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your movement location? Yep, absolutely. Um, and thanks for having me here and apologies mm -hmm. for uh, my cold. 
that I is going to be also a, a guest on this podcast. I have been doing organizing work for 12 years or something like that now, mostly starting with prison abolition work and kind of black liberation struggles. Huh. Um, for the past little bit, um, I've really situated my work in kind of black liberation, black movement building. I am a teacher with Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity and also Generative Somatics, um, where I get to do a lot of fun things around embodied leadership for brilliant movement leaders um, that are moving important work. I am um, also a, a trained therapist and bring some of that into my work, also as a somatics coach and practitioner too. I um, also work inside a movement for Black Lives Spaces um, and recently left uh, Black Lives Matter. And is there anything you would add or often add when you're saying what is somatics? Yeah, I think that it, it's all those things. Like how do we be embodied? How do we feel the experience of our lives? And I think this intervention is really important in sort of placing it inside of a political context. And it points back to so many ancestral wisdoms. Like how do we... Um, center our healing, our connection, our embodiment, our experience of our lives, and actually understand the way oppression and trauma impacts our ability to be fully here uh-huh. and, and folding those struggles together. So yeah, just that. And I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I'm really grateful for all three of you. You've all been amazing teachers to me. I kind of wanted to have you bring yourselves in first because each of you are um, in my lineage of how I've become a little bit more of who I'm meant to be on this planet. So I'm Adrian, as I mentioned before, and my movement location is I'm a facilitator um, and have been doing that for a really long time. And one thing I'll be, say about somatics is it's one of the first times I felt that I could be in an explicit conversation with people about what was happening inside of facilitation. Like energy was actually moving in a room. People were feeling emotions. Those emotions were happening inside the body. People were being um, uh, touching into places where they had experienced trauma and that trauma was either limiting us or liberating us um, forward in some way. And uh, it felt like, Oh, we can talk about these things. We can name these things. And, um, I got, I think, intrigued before I even realized that I had a ton of my own healing work to do. So um, all three of you have been both teachers and healers as well as comrades in that work. Um, and then I would also say I'm a writer. I've written a few books, Octavia's Brood, Emergent Strategy. Um, I have one coming up on pleasure activism. And then right now I'm a podcaster. So my sister and I have a podcast um, called How to Survive the End of the World. And I'm just really interested in what can be shared, um, like how conversations can be shared in the world that are, are meaningful. So I'm really grateful that we're getting to have this conversation now. Because um, I, I think that we get to have some exciting talks about what's possible with building power um, along the path of healing. And I want folks to know, um, heading into this conversation, that we've all been in the room with each other for years and years and years mm-hmm. on the mat with each other for years and years. We've all held each other. We've all, I think we've all healed each other, been healed by each other and are really in community sort of in a long-term commitment towards um, creating a, a healing pot- possibility for our movements. 
Um, and really when I think about like, what is generative somatics? It's a lot of people that are involved in this experiment of, you know, how, how much liberation is possible for our folks through this healing, um, healing methodology. Um, so let's get into some conversation here. Um, the first thing I really want to ask you all about is, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who do somatics and there's a lot of folks who do other kinds of trauma healing work. And I think that it's possible to do that work without necessarily having an analysis on everything that's happening in the world. Um, and then there's what we're up to, which is saying that actually all of these systems of oppression are interconnected and intersectional. And inside of that, we think that trauma healing is core to liberation in some way. And so I would love to hear from you all, what do you think is the, the relevance of trauma healing to all the social and environmental justice movements that are in motion right now? It's so hard to be succinct about this. It feels so big. Um, but Well, you answer as big as you want to. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been thinking a lot about how... Um, how good our organizations and movements on the left are um, at being resourceful and um, how good we are at being resourceful around our thinking and around um, our analysis and how, how resilient we actually are and how we find resilience. Um, and, you know, many things that we see as um, building blocks of healing and um, and then uh, what do I want to say? Also, just how um, we're asked to do that inside of such limiting conditions and such repressive conditions. And um, we're asked to be so resourceful without so much resource um, and uh, like material resource usually. Um, and and I think that given all that, it's like um, partly what embodied leadership and trauma healing has to offer us, I think, is actually like tapping into the resourcefulness that already exists and then, you know, letting it um, kind of come forth like a spring. Like there's a lot of power and magic and brilliance inside of what already exists and then trauma and oppression often has us tamp that down, keep it to ourselves, keep it really narrow, limit our own sense of possibility. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're mostly taught to embody. Um, and so I think uh, there's something really critical about inside of our movements, being able to, deeply connect with actually all of the longing that we have for freedom um, and do that in a visceral way, not just in an analytical way, not, um, not just in a way where we talk about liberation, but where we actually have a taste of what that might feel like. And I think that embodied practice can and trauma healing can give us a taste inside of ourselves of what what just a glimpse of freedom might feel like even inside of oppressive and oppressive conditions. I love that. Hmm. Could you tell me, like, do you think of a, a story or like a specific instance where you've seen that 
you know, under the pressure that might make people pull in to the, you know, comfort, sort of comfortable shape, you know, that happens after trauma. It's like, oh, I know this limited mm. space. Um, mm. That where one of the places where you've seen folks instead choose to open, you know, in this work. Yeah. Um, I won't, I won't name specific organizations just mm -hmm. to protect people's, you know, confidentiality and deep yeah. work they've done, but definitely um, there is one group in mind that, you know, like all organizations this past year just really faced the internal challenge of splitting inside of the organization of um, folks not acting right with each other and mostly acting out of our trauma um, with one another and, you know, not being able to see each other and where we're coming from. And then also not, I mean, trauma and shame often makes us pretty unaccountable around our power. And so in all of those ways, we start to get reactive with each other. And that definitely was happening inside of this group. And um, it's a group that's been in practice together for a long time. And I think what was so incredible is the group has a collective commitment together about who they're trying to be, like as an organization and also as a, like what a commitment around the culture of their organization and who they, what they want to embody together. And so even in the midst of some really serious accusations, some really um, potent trying to make amends like, um, and pain, like just in the midst of a lot of pain and suffering with yeah. each other, there would just be these moments where somebody would go, let's just say our commitment together. Like, let's mm. just get recentered around what it is that we actually are trying to do here together and not get pulled by the, the things that trauma and oppression want to do inside of us, which is really pull us to some dark places in ourselves and with one another. And I think that, um, that potential for us is incredible because I think that, you know, um, I think our opposition loves to see us get split and crumble. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. That's awesome. Stacy. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, the relevance of trauma healing um, to social and environmental justice movements. I think one of the things that feels so important and it, it's one of the weird splits, like, we have in many places in mainstream healing, it being totally depoliticized. And then in many spaces that are movement building, um, not a lot of access or resource for healing and transformation. So we have this odd split. And when I look at trauma and oppression, there is no way that we can't be impacted by our social conditions. Like oppression is traumatizing. And so th that split is so nonsensical to me. And to me, in some ways, that split is what perpetuates oppression. You know, it's, it's almost a convenient split. Oh. Um, and I think those of us who are trying to weave these things together and, you know, kind of co-create a different path, um, I just think it's so important um, to, the, to the broader, right, liberation work that we're doing. Excellent. So even those of us who are like fully committed to social justice and environmental justice, we've still been shaped by that impact of oppression and trauma and in places right. shaped by privilege. And what, how somatics understands that is we can't not act that out unless 
we've done the deep internal and mutual work of transformation. And that might be very specific healing around trauma or around the impact of oppression. It might be healing that has to do more with the social location of privilege, but it's more than cognitively understanding it. It's like, it's in our tissues. It's in our blood. It's in how we can be with someone um, if they're triggered or if we're triggered, it's a very deep skill set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, spent a point to do this, but as we deeply decompartmentalize ourselves, which is a great survival strategy for these social conditions, but it doesn't let us be very whole. Compartmentalizing is. Yeah. Right, right. Right. It's like, and then we want to uncompartmentalize ourselves, like become yeah. more whole. It's like, then we can keep inviting each other to be more whole, but in this very pragmatic way of how we think of how we relate and how we build together. So yeah. I, at this point, I can't see liberation movements without healing and I can't see healing without liberation movements. Right. right? And right. so you know, that's why I go, why does trauma healing and movement building go together? I think they, they can't not, they, they yeah. just do go together. And, you know, I've obviously focused a lot on transformative justice in my, in my time. Yeah. And, um, and I think this is a similar across different sectors, including climate justice, but there's the theory of things and then there's how we actually practice it and yeah. to practice into a transformative justice response, we have to have a really wide range of like capacity to like to love while inviting and holding accountability around violence mm-hmm. or to really right. go, I'm going to be in a deeply different relationship with the planet and we're going to organize for a deeply different relationship to the planet. It's just all so much um, more than our concepts and really in how we can uh, be, do, and relate in a way that's aligned with our vision and our, and our values. And I think it takes transformation to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you bringing the transformative justice piece in because, you know, this political moment of Me Too and Time's Up, and there's so much that's happening right now that's like trauma has happened, accountability has to happen right away you know, although it's in many cases decades late, but now it's all going to happen right now. And um, I think the one thing that has been holding me through that is this sense of, oh, this is part of healing. This is part Mm -hmm. of healing trauma. And those of us who have been spending our time on healing trauma and turning and facing those who have caused us harm um, have something to offer in terms of leading in this moment right? Um, Like leading and being like, oh, this, we can survive this and we can survive it without destroying everyone around us or destroying Mm -hmm. everyone who caused harm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because so many people are, you know, victim perpetrators in in a lot of these scenarios. And, you know, there's just like, you know, it's like, oh, oppression is happening to everyone. um, And it's traumatizing everyone. And then when we start to try to pull ourselves out of it, we can't just pull one individual at a time. There has to be a collective setting down that trauma practice and moving towards something else. Right. Um, Yeah, I think about, I'll just make this brief, but I think about, you know, how does the the trauma healing that's needed in this moment and that's coming forward, how does that lead to collective liberation Mm -hmm. rather than just lead to punishment? 
Uh because if we're going to change the big gig, like if we're going to go, no, we're going to, like we want, we want societies that don't have heteropatriarchy or they don't have massive amounts of sexual violence, then we, you know, there's, there's all the personal healing to do. There's collective Mm -hmm. accountability and then there's changing the structures. Right. So, and I'm, I'm, you know, I I feel sad in this moment. I've I've talked to each of you about this. I wish transformative justice had a lot more capacity and range right now because it is so needed in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll make the inroads that we can because it's so live. Um, But that thing of like healing leading toward liberate, like liberation and action and not just like, not we don't want to build up the prison industrial complex right now we want to do the opposite right exactly that's beautiful thank you for that and Prentice I want to weave your voice in here because you and I have had so many experiences of being with black folks doing this work through Mm -hmm. black organizing for leadership and dignity through movement for black lives and black lives matter and it feels like, you know, Me Too is one of the major threads of this moment and Black Lives Matter is kind of one of the other major threads of this moment where there's a, you know, one way to approach this, which is just how do we hold white people accountable and say, fuck you, stop harming us, you know? And then there's another way, which is how do we step back and say, what is the healing that we all need to be in um, inside of that accountability? And so I, I would love to hear for you where trauma healing uh, becomes relevant in that work. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's, um, trauma is this word that's often overused, but also yeah. we don't use it accurately a lot of times. Yes. Um, and I think it's important for us to continue to be precise about what that means because it allows us to be even more precise in um, how we address it. Uh-huh. And you know, for me, one of the things I've learned through somatics and also through other training is a way that trauma actually disturbs our, um, our trauma that isn't processed, unprocessed trauma, um, how it can disturb our sense of safety, belonging, um, dignity, and also purpose, I think. Yeah. Um, and that people come into movement, come into organization, um, a lot of times to reconcile some of the things um, that they lost through their experience of trauma, um, uh, to find a space where they can belong, to, to feel a space that can be saved. And actually, also, I think importantly, to fill a space where they can act out um, their purpose. One of the critiques I've had of individualized therapy as a therapist is that we try to resolve folks' problems in, a, in an individualized setting. Uh-huh. Um, organizing, I think, is actually a really critical piece of being able to then act on what we call in somatics, these sites of shaping, sort of the institutions, the conditions um, that have in some cases really caused um, trauma to live in our bodies. So um, to me, organizing is actually a really critical piece of healing um, to be joined together, to be in collective practice and to shift conditions actually. for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our living, I think is really important. Um, And I don't know that organizations have always understood that folks are coming in some ways to heal trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And not being clear about that happening doesn't make it, it doesn't make it go away. You know, we can say Uh we're not equipped to heal the trauma, but it doesn't, it, the fact that we feel unequipped or under-equipped doesn't 
make it untrue that people actually have a lot of healing that they're bringing to organizations. Um, And it's not just the sore thumb people who are doing that. It's actually everyone is. Everyone, everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think movement can be such a life giving um, space. Yeah. And part of when we talk about centering trauma healing, to me, it's like, how do we actually in our organization center resilience? How do we know that folks are longing for safety, belonging, dignity, purpose? How do we know that? And then um, have that be a part of the culture we build in our organizations? How do we take time to build relationship with each other? How do we take time to uh, build and practice support for one another? How do we let trauma inform our capacity for compassion with each other? Which I think is really critical and oftentimes missing. Um, I think the other thing is that understanding, you know, I've been doing some work lately and writing around um, trauma and that there's this way that, you know, Black Lives Matter movement for Black Lives was really part of this way that was naming like Black people have been traumatized um, through the oppression. Um, generationally, in our current lives, I know I've experienced complex, compounded traumas, things we call that. Um, how do we name that we've been traumatized in some ways naming that you um, have been traumatized is a humanizing effort in a way a lot of trauma work originates out of um, studying the impacts of war on veterans right and that came after movement building after anti-war efforts we're able to understand kind of the impact of of war on veterans and yet We've read books on epigenetics around how the Holocaust has impacted um, folks of Jewish ancestry and how that lives on in their genes. And there's very, very little research actually on um, slavery, Jim Crow, ongoing oppression, the impact on black bodies. And Uh I think there's a lot that goes into that. Um, But really we're saying like our trauma matters too. And trauma yes. itself matters, collective yeah. trauma, generational trauma, all of this matters and leads us towards imagining what justice can be. And the last thing I'll say is that um, trauma healing, I feel like is really critical too, because it, um, it unlocks our creative potential when we heal and we're able to bring our full selves into the current moment, right? When we're able to um, retrieve the parts of us that are in those traumatic moments or re-experiencing those traumatic moments and bring our full selves into now, it unlocks an incredible creative and imaginative potential for our folks and for our people. And that's actually what we need to be able to think through, imagine new strategies that we haven't experienced before. So to me, um, in terms of thinking about trauma healing as capacity, as power building, that is one of the critical pieces. How do we unlock what is there, what has been learned through our bodies across generations that we vitally need in order to win the things that we need to win now? Pete, you're so brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love listening to you talk. Sometimes I'm just like, can we just make you talk for 20 years and everyone listen? So one more thing I want to ask you if, you, if you have something that comes to mind on this is I'd love to hear a specific time or moment where you saw that happening, um, particularly if you saw that happening in black bodies. And, and I ask here with the awareness of, you know, I think of us as like, it's not like, oh, we're healing past trauma. It's like, oh, we're healing. And this is always the case. But it's like we're healing trauma, often trauma that's ongoing. It's like, mm-hmm. I just got traumatized 
today, and it's a trauma that's tied to what's happened over the last 20 years, 40 years, 100 years. Um, so how do, you know, how do we do that trauma healing in the context of constant re-traumatization, ongoing trauma? And have you seen that? Um, yeah, I have. And I feel um, deeply blessed, actually, to be able to say that. I feel like when I watch myself heal from trauma, um, oh. when I watch other folks heal from trauma, it's like watching um, a plant grow. It's like watching us um, become more ourselves. And that's a beautiful thing. I've definitely experienced that in, in spaces with generative somatics and, and spaces with bold. Um, and what I'll say um, just kind of broadly, because it's hard to talk. I think Spencer was saying it's hard to talk about individual uh-huh. folks or organizations. It gets tricky, but I would say that um, the bold space in particular, the kind of um, relationship building it has allowed across black movement space um, has been really critical. Um, it's expanded, I think, our capacity for uh, relationship in a time where we could have become, and, you know, to some degree, have and did become um, reactionary towards one another. But I think it opened up um, a really critical space for us to see each other in our intimacy and in our growth. Um, And I can see across movements the different ways that it's allowed us inside of many storms, inside of many challenges, open up just a, a little bit more space to ask a question of each other, to not assume the worst of each other. Um, to uh-huh. call a conversation where we might not have done that or to reach out to um, a healer when someone was in crisis. I think those little moments of space that we open up can't be taken for granted because we don't know um, the potential and the brilliance and the, and the win even that's inside of the little space that gets opened up. So I think inside of Bold, um, because healing and organizing have you know, it's another space where they get so tied together, the relationship, the potential for relationship, for intimacy that Stacy was talking about, that transformative justice has to live inside of. I think yeah. we're starting to feel that capacity um, um, being taken on. And I, I think it's, yeah. it has produced and is producing some really important things. I agree. I mean, it's been, as a, someone who facilitates in Movement for Black Lives and, and in black spaces in general, it's been kind of amazing to see people become more able to have direct conflict with each other and principled struggle with each other um, because we're learning that, oh, I can be hurt and still be communicative. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually being communicative from my rage, from my anger, from my honest hurt feelings is a part of us being able to heal and move towards something else. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, having a huge number of black people, or a huge number of people doing climate justice work, or a huge number of people who are pushing back against the state who all have a centering practice um, and have some place we can return to when things get difficult um, inside of ourselves and inside of our collective self. It's pretty liberating. <laughs> it <Yeah>. really helps. <laughs> so something I want to pivot towards now is, the conversation that we're having, I think a lot of people are starting to call this arena of work healing justice, right? Like bringing together trauma healing and talking about social justice. And I'm curious, um, you know, sometimes these labels get created, not necessarily by us or by other folks. And then all of a sudden we're kind of in the label. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm really curious about how, how we all relate to healing justice. How do you see it being defined? How would you define it? Does it feel like a home base for you? Um, or does it feel like something you're adjacent to? I was working as a healing justice director at Black Lives Matter. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. What was that? I learned a lot. I learned yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think that role was just working with folks across the country and really globally where there are Black Lives Matter chapters um, and thinking through where are the places that we need to develop our capacity? How do we develop that capacity? How do we have inside of um, our organizing bodies, in this case, chapters, folks that are, are tending to um, not only the healing, because sometimes healing gets put to the side is like the thing you do in crisis. It's like the hospital or yeah. the court. Yeah. I think that's some of the ways people think about healers. Like I'm going to go to the yeah. judge or I'm going to yep. go to the emergency room. Right. Uh. Um, and we were thinking through how do we bring um, healing justice or center trauma healing in how we do everything. So uh-huh. it's not an add-on, but how do we do uh-huh. it in everything? Uh-huh. Um, I do find a, a home in healing justice. I have a few different homes. And healing justice is one of my homes, especially in, in how we think about the generational piece. Um, so to me, yeah. healing justice is about how we name the trauma of our ancestors, um, how we name the trauma of our lives, how we um, politicize that, how we also look at the institutions um, that were supposed to be about our healing that have actually um, systematically um, harmed and killed, um, forced sterilization, experimented on bodies, black bodies, disabled bodies, how do we demand of those institutions also justice? Um, Yeah. So I think there's a way that we don't see the ways that our lives get mediated through lots of different institutions, not only the um, carceral apparatus, but also through um, medical institutions, black body, disabled bodies, all sorts of bodies have been... um, harmed in those spaces and healing justice gives us a framework in which to to name that and also take action in those places so I do enjoy it for that reason it allows me to bring in kind of my um burgeoning spiritual understanding um and um really names for me that when I'm healing myself you know science it's one of those places that we talk about in somatics where science starts to catch up with what we know I feel like the study of epigenetics, as I mentioned earlier, like how our genes um, are carrying the lessons of our ancestors. Um, I think that actually points to um, information so many of our elders and ancestors have known is that when we heal ourselves, we're actually healing also our our ancestors too. And it gives me a place to put um, that understanding that spans across my lifetime. So for that, I place myself in it. Stacy or Spenta, do you have thoughts on this healing justice definition? How do you hold it? Spenta, you want to roll? You want to go? Yeah, sure. I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I I feel really grateful to have watched and 
been a part of the conversation around healing justice evolve over, I think, more than a decade, really, inside of social justice work. And, um, and um, I think go from kind of these, oh, God, I can't think of a less, I mean, a nicer word than, like, fluffy and superficial, but these ideas okay. of sustainability. Yeah. Okay, great. These ideas of sustainability <laughs> and self-care that mostly were, you know, like we need to go get a massage. We need to go, you know, we need to take time out. We need to take ourselves out of the movement in order to heal. And there's, it's, I don't say that as though there's not reality to some of those things. And for some of us at moments, we do need to take ourselves out of the movement to do a big mm-hmm. piece of healing work in order mm-hmm. to come back with more clear sense of self and purpose and um, well-being. But I think it's also, uh, it's just incredible to be at a different place where so many people who are trying to um, advocate for healing justice are really about um, getting ourselves back in our bodies, getting ourselves back into authentic bodies, yeah. like rediscovering who we are um, and and so much being about finding more choice. Like I think yeah. that to me is so much what healing is, is it's, it's that choice got taken away, choice got taken away usually early and choice perpetually gets taken away by oppression and it's re-finding choice amidst all of our circumstances and I think that... Um, you know, so so in terms of like the the location and label of it, I'm like I'm for a healing justice movement that's moving that that's about mm-hmm. that that is connected to our well being and to power building at the same time. That centralizes organizing as vital to like what Prentice said is vital to our transformation and is vital to our healing. I mean, organizing yeah. was the first place I healed. Yes, and, me too. And you know, right. So I think like, um, I think that kind of healing justice movement, I feel like deeply connected to and wanting to, um, that thing you said, Prentice, about being precise, I think it's so important. Like if we generalize what healing trauma means, if we generalize healing at all, it's like we, we will just be a passing fad or a trend. And I really, um, I really want us to contend with the centrality of organizing to our transformation that like both are necessary for us to both for our well-being and to build power together and to shift conditions and to live with more freedom. Excellent. (laughs) That sounds excellent. I'm here for it. Um, Stacy, anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, it's so great to talk with y'all. Great to hear you all in here. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I appreciate about, I, I think, like both Prentice and Spenta pointed to about kind of this growing <clears throat> yearning or looking into healing justice is that it is healing grounded in a social analysis, and that is so yeah. important because I also think many people or many of us have tried to heal where there were no politics in the healing space. And it is just so complicated to be like, wow, um, uh, <laughs> it's so hard to get seen <laughs> inside yeah. of that. So that, that part of it I'm really appreciative of. 
Um, and I think if we just leave it as healing with a social analysis, it's too limiting, um, you know, to me. And, and, you know, if healing justice gets interpreted too much as like service provision or, again, is too individualized as kind of what both Prentice and Spenta said is like, oh, we need a healing justice practitioner because this one person needs to go off and do something. Yep. That's an aspect of healing justice. But if it is left just to those or to kind of what Spenta was saying, a kind of self-care that, that doesn't question capitalism or white supremacy, right? Like that image of self-care, that, then, then I feel like we lose the actual power of, I think, what we mean by healing justice. So to me, it's healing grounded in a social analysis, but it's really healing and organizing for liberation. That's to um, me what, and maybe we should call it healing and organizing instead of healing justice, because um, um, I feel like there's such a mainstream default to individualize healing when it's not, I think, really what, what's really going on, right? It's like collective yeah. healing, collective organizing for collective liberation, and do we sometimes need one-on-one -on -one healing inside of that? Of course, but it isn't the true home for healing. Um, so I don't know if we should stick with healing justice as the word. I think it depends on how it gets worked or interpreted over time. But, but, but this connection, which I think we've all spoken to, that healing and organizing for liberation, I think that's really at essence, at least for me, what I long for inside of healing justice. Yeah, I love the thread throughout this conversation that moving towards justice, it requires kind of a braiding together at all times of this, um, what happens in the self, what happens in the collective body, what happens in the self, you know, and how we move things in ourself and move things in the collective body. And I, I am really grateful we got to dip our toes into this conversation today um, and really begin to begin to share with so many people a little bit of what we're up to <laughs> at Generative Somatics with this healing justice work, with this trauma healing work. Um, thank you all so much for your time um, together with me here. And I also want to take a moment to thank everyone who listens to this conversation and shares this conversation with others, um, all those who are part of the, the teaching that has led to the four of us being able to have a conversation like this. There's many, many teachers in the river. Um, all of those who partner with us, you know, we talked about Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity, but we actually have so many movement partners right now that are um, allowing this to become the norm within their working, ways of working and ways of changing the world. Um, and then all of those who are actually resourcing this work. So those who donate, those who fundraise, those who help us out. Um, thanks to everyone, and thanks to you all, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. This conversation was produced by Jean-Pierre Williams Comrie. Much appreciation also for music from the Oakland-based collective Mass Base. You just heard a conversation between the crew from Generative Somatics. To learn more about Generative Somatics or make a donation to help make their programs accessible to innovative movement leaders, to poor and working class communities, and to communities of color, 
visit generativesomatics.org. Stay in touch with us by joining our email list at healingjustice.org and following us on Instagram at Healing Justice, Healing Justice Podcast on Facebook, and at HJ Podcast on Twitter. If you are a regular listener, you know that we usually share a accompanying practice with each conversation. The perfect one that goes with this conversation is the somatic centering practice from episode 12 with Sumitra Rajkumar, who is also a teacher with generative somatics. So we recommend that if you've been inspired by this conversation, you go back to practice number 12 and try that on. And we also encourage you to share back with us how the practices have been impacting your work and your life. Those stories, that communication is so helpful for us. You can write something on social media and tag us, or you can participate in our end of season survey, which is going to be sent out via our email list. So if you want to be part of that, join our email list at healingjustice.org. And soon when the survey is up, we'll also have that link in the show notes. You can check out the show notes and see if the link is there. If you want to give an offering in reciprocity and appreciation for Healing Justice Podcast, you can always do that at patreon.com slash healingjustice. And we want to give a quick thank you to Zach Meyer at The Coal Room for doing a final simple mastering of putting together the bookends of this episode. Um, Thank you so much to all of you for building movements that liberate all of us. And thank you to Generative Somatics for your incredible work in supporting movement leaders um, over many, many years in deep and powerful ways. It is an honor to learn from you, and we're honored that you wanted to share your words with our listeners as well. Thanks, y'all. Hear you next week.